0: powerful presence, Lord God. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, we pray the blessings upon your word, upon your servant. Lord God, uh, get us out of the way and you move, Lord Jesus, and let your uh, word fall on good soil, on good ground. Lord, that we would perform your will and your call upon our lives, upon this planet. But let not us have our eyes on this planet, but the place that you've prepared for us with many mansions. I ask this in your name, Jesus, and we give you the honor, glory, and praise. Anybody together said, Amen. Remain standing for the reading of God's word. Numbers, the first chapter. We're pretty much going to cover a lot of the book of Numbers, and we're going to get a, like an overview of the entire book. As difficult as that, as that may sound, it is feasible. It is possible. And you'll see, because i read my sermon, so I know we can do it. All you got to do is hear it now. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing. Numbers 1, beginning in verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai. On the first day of the second month of the second year, after the Israelites came out of Egypt, he said, take a census of the whole Israelite community by their clans and families, listing every man, every man, not ladies, not children, every man by name, one by one. You and Aaron are to num- number by their divisions all the men in Israel, 20 years old or more, who are able to serve in the... Father, I pray that we would be of service unto you and to your spiritual army, Lord God, even your physical army here on this planet. We honor you and we bless you, Lord God. Again, let your word have its way. Everybody together set? Praise yeah. God. You may be seated. I prayed twice. Uh, usually I pray after the word and I pray before the word and after the word. Well, God calls us the house of what? Ah, I'm right and I with the Lord. Uh, now, let me ask you something. How much are you willing to pay? Or, or, or how much is it going to cost you to serve the Lord? Uh, see, we really don't know, you and I, the exact price. We're going to find it out, though. If you, keep, if you keep serving the Lord, you will find out the price you have to pay in order to serve the Lord. As if you don't go... Back, hallelujah. Uh, Today, again, we're going to be dealing with the book of Numbers literally. A big overview on the entire book here. Genesis deals with how things began and how God chose to bless the world through one man, through one people, the Jewish people and Father Abraham. Exodus deals and tells us how God brought out his people that he chose through Abraham. Leviticus tells us how God is with his people, okay. And, and, and there he explains to his people regarding holiness and, and, and you know, how, uh, you know, he expects people, his people to live. All right? Are you with me? In today's sermon, there's going to be a whole lot of data going on. Uh, you got to really, really listen here. But I'm, I'm really, really excited. I've told you already before about this message. Okay? If there was ever a message, maybe you should get the tape. Is this one. Matter of fact, we're going to sell it for only two fifty. Usually $4. Okay? Because there's going to be a whole lot of stuff here. All right, and a very, very vital message. I think it's going to challenge us right up our freeway. I know I wrote a lot of letters to a lot of people. I see you here uh, because this is membership attendance Sunday. You got the letters. You're here. God bless you. Hallelujah with the left hand. That uh, You showed up. Are you with me now? Then we get to the book of Numbers. See, Numbers is actually a book of warfare. That's why I read you the first three verses. It's warfare. God, you know, uh, 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 is concerned about the Hebrew people's armed forces. That's how he begins with. The first thing he's talking about is armed forces. A, a, a place of defense. Just like us, we have a department of defense. Very, very important. As the nation has an, uh, 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 you know, armed forces, so goes the country. And the same thing applies for Christianity. We, we, we're called to make soldiers. Uh, to defend our country, so to speak. Our Christianity. See, the Hebrew's... They'd been waiting some 16 to 18 months there at the foot of Mount Sinai. And it mentions that there in verse 2. But now it's time to go get theirs. It's time to go and receive their blessings. It's time to go and and get what God has promised in the promised land. The land flowing with milk and money. Uh, Honey, hallelujah. Uh, It's time for that. It's time to go get theirs. Time to to, invade and conquer and, and possess all that God had promised to them. So in Genesis, God chooses his people. In Exodus, God redeems his people. In Leviticus, God comes among his people. But then here in Numbers, God commissions his people. Go. Uh, Go get your building, hallelujah. Go knock down the sanctuary. Expand it. Go get yours. Time to get up, get on, and get busy. Uh, You know that, that is what God every now and again will do. Uh, God will want that and he'll ask that from all of his people. He'll commission us. Go into all the world. Go do warfare. Every now and again, God's going to be commissioning us to do those things. Are we ready for that? I've already explained to you how strategic and important it is to have armed forces. Numbers 1-3 talks about that. See, when we examine the order that God gave the Hebrews to to go and march out, and, and it's there in the book of Numbers, if you had a bird's eye view Looking at them, the tabernacle would be in the middle. But then you'd have three tribes this way, three tribes this way, three tribes this way, and three tribes this way. And they were following the glory cloud. And if we had a bird's eye view or a helicopter view, it would be the sign of the cross going forward in that desert. That's what it would be like. It would be like the cross going down in the Old Testament. Okay? So, okay. This is actually an Old Testament prototype On how the church in the New Testament is supposed to fall into rank. With each knowing their place, okay, in the local church. And each should know where they are, my friend, to to contribute. We're all supposed to contribute. How many know that once you get saved, you're supposed to contribute? Yeah. Uh, that's, That's what God saved us for. See, some of you will fit in children's church. Some of you will fit in the prison ministry. Some of you will fit in the music ministry. Some of you in leadership, someone helps. But all are supposed to fit so you can fight. Numbers is the book of warfare. You're supposed to fit too. Come on, Mike Tyson. Bite off the devil's here. It's all right. He do not like you, anyways. Everybody is supposed to move together, and everyone is supposed to know their contribution. Look at chapter 10 of Numbers. Big overview here today. Verses 11, 12, and 13. Do you have it? On the 20th day of the second month of the second year, the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle of the testimony. Then the Israelites set out to the desert of Sinai and traveled from place to place until the cloud came to rest in the desert of Paran. They set out this first time at the Lord's command through Moses. See, here the Israelites are told to go out, follow the cloud. They went from place to place. How many of the victory of went from place to place? Until the glory cloud finally settled here. Hallelujah. Uh, 18 years of wandering and wondering. uh, Are we ever going to have a place of our own? We almost got the building. He's lying. Uh, He's like, man, what's happening over here? Uh, But that's what the people of God were told to do here, the Israelites. See, they spent some time getting ready. They had spent some time getting prepared there at the foot of Mount Sinai. But now they're commissioned to go and conquer the land. Which brings us to the most famous portion of Scripture found there in Numbers 13. Where Moses sends out the 12 spies. And most of us know about, I just preached about this about 3 4 months ago. On the spies going out. That's the most famous portion of Scripture in the book of Numbers. Numbers 13. He sends out the 12 spies. The spies go out, the Bible says, for 40 days. And they're, they're commissioned. They're commissioned. They're, they're supposed to go, you know, it's a fact-finding kind of a mission. Go let us know what, what the land is like. But ten of them don't spy, they cry. And if you read ver- chapters 14, and all the, 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 you know, hey, I, I sent you to be a spyer, not a crier. <laughs> if Christians we're supposed to spy, not cry, but a lot of people cry. Hey, I got to pick up the offering. I want to get my thys. Hey. Cry Christians. They're supposed to be a spy, not supposed to cry. hey. <laughs> But he's with us here today. you are all crying. Uh, thus, they turned out to be whiners instead of spies. They took the view that the land could just not be taken. So they placed a prevalent pessimistic spirit in the people. Say with me now. Okay. They produced a prevalent pessimistic spirit within the people. They're pessimistic. I don't know about this. Even right now, some of you, you don't understand the sermon. You're like, I don't understand about this. You're being very pessimistic. Am I going to get anything out of this sermon? Boy, are you. I I already read the end. I already know. I I know. I wrote it. But we get like that. That's the way the devil can do stuff. The enemy can do that. Get you real pessimistic. I don't know. Why did you even write a letter about this sermon? Uh, Thus, my friend, while the people come and they came right there to the very edge of victory, they really forfeit their right to the land. And thus, God gives them over to wandering for the next 38 and a half years. They were at the verge of victory. But they shied back. Because a pessimistic spirit was allowed to fester inside their ranks. Mm. The rest of the book tells us how the Jews wandered around the desert needlessly. Listen to that word, needlessly. They could have gone in and conquered. We could go ahead and knock down these walls. But they didn't want to. That pessimistic spirit festered inside of them. See, this book really didn't need to have been written. I said a mouthful right there. Uh, it didn't need to be written. But it was, sadly. Uh, at least, not like this, it didn't need to be written. Had Israel determined to have been courageous and obedient, this book would have been different. Uh, no, it really didn't even have to be written at all. This book tells us of the consequences of... Of faithless choices. That's what I want to get at here today, because I know what kind of people I want to lead. I don't want to lead faithless people. I don't mind doing it. I've done it to three and a half of you. But really, you can make our job a whole lot easier. What What are pastors' great suggesters? I suggest you you read the Word and you live it. If If you do that, you make our life a whole lot easier. Uh, but that's, what it, that's the results of, you know, the consequences of faithless choices. These people came to the very verge of a great blessing from God, the promised land. The land flowing with milk and honey, Canaan. But then, my friend, they nearly all allowed for pessimism uh, to get the upper hand. Almost all of them except for two of them, uh, Joshua and Caleb. But all of them went with the majority, the majority vote. Uh, They allowed a pessimistic spirit to get the upper hand in their lives. This book tells a story of a group of people who had, you know, a great window and a door of opportunity open before them, but they missed it. Could that happen to me? Could that happen to you? Could that happen to us? Yes, it could. Yes, it can. That's why this sermon is so important. Because it can happen to you. You can be serving God even for 10 years, and all of a sudden you dummy up. 20 years, and then you dummy up. 10 days, and then you dummy up. Because... You make faithless choices in your lives. Well then, today we're going to look at what we, you know, could call a type of three C's. The circumstances dealing with these people, the choices these people made, and the consequences of their choices. The three C's. Circumstances, choices, then consequences. Then we're going to end by looking at how we can avoid going down the very path, the very desert These people went through. I don't want to go through 38 and a half years of wandering. If you do, that's your choice. I don't. Been there, done that. I hate sandwiches. I don't like it. First of all, the circumstances, the three C's. Number one, circumstances. How did the Hebrew people get themselves into this severe and grave circumstance? Well, it begins with the bad seed that will get you every time. It's called complaining. That's how you get yourself into the desert. Wandering for 38 and a half years. It begins with a circumstance, and the circumstance is complaining. Huh? Look at chapter 11, verse 1, and chapter 12, verse 1. Even 14 one begins the same way. Do you have Numbers 11? Please turn to it, I'll wait. Numbers 11, 1. Now the people, what? Complain about their hardships and the hearing of the Lord. He preaches too long. Chapter 12, verse 1. Miriam and Aaron began to talk about their leader. Ah, uh, Moses. Look at verse 14.1, almost the same thing. That night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept out loud. They were not spires, they were criers. Mm. See, it's always dangerous. This is to be what I'm about to tell you right now. It is always dangerous when you begin to complain about the things God has given you. Do you know that when a husband uh, complains or a wife complains about her husband or vice versa? That's always dangerous times. Please understand what I just said a little while ago. It's always dangerous when you begin to complain about the things that God has given you. When a wife can complain about a husband or a com- husband complains about a wife, you're treading on dangerous land. Dangerous. Because complaining, okay, you know, is it makes you very, very vulnerable to the lies and the attacks of the enemy. Even the truth of the enemy. That's heavy right there, what I just said. To me. I mean, not to you. But when a wife begins to complain about her husband or husband about her, her, his wife, you're very vulnerable to the attacks of the devil. Not only the lies of the devil, but the truth of the devil. Because sometimes you are tell the truth. Your husband doesn't throw out the trash. That's the truth. And you can open yourself up. Man, that guy. Why did you even marry him? The trash, hombre. The trash. It's still trash. Do you part? Uh, and you go for the trash. And that's the truth. I don't throw out the trash when I'm supposed to. Ah. Uh, Yakity yak But that can sever. That can, if, if, if the devil catches the wife or the husband in the wrong mood the right or the right mood, divorce over the trash. The trash. Because you begin to complain. Wives, husbands, be careful with your complaining. Be careful with your complaining. Uh, and usually the weaker vessel, I would have to say the women are usually the more guilty of this one. Because uh, the husbands are macho. Uh, but if a husband starts complaining, oh, ooh, and they're both complaining, look out. Uh, that's how the devil comes in. Uh, and here in these two chapters in Numbers, 11 and 12, you can detect a, a grumbling spirit is spreading throughout the camp. And it was displeasing to God, the Bible says, because complaining, grumbling spirits displeased God. See, Israel was headed towards fame. Ah. Uh, and, 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 for, and towards greatness and the greatness of God. But then a discontented spirit begins to surface. Pastor Red spoke about fame. That's where we're headed. But we can be shortstop right here through complaining, grumbling, murmuring. Uh, it can shortstop anybody. Complaining spirit is infectious. It can infect a congregation or, 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 or a ministry or organization or even a family. This spirit has some heavy tendency to flow and to grow among friends. Among friends. Uh, take, for instance, I'll just use this because they're all friends. You guys are all friends, right? And if one of you starts, then the other one wants to stick up for the other one because we're well, Chicanos. <laughs> By and large, and then loyalty, oh, man, you know, man, I, he, he hurt Gina. Oh! <laughs> am I not right? Yes, I am. Uh, work out your own salvation if you're trembling. trembling. Because <laughs> oh, I want to say, hey, sometimes Jesus got to write her own beef. I know what I'm telling you. Uh, be careful, uh, because if one little grumbling spirit comes, to, uh, especially among friends, he's my friend. How dare Pastor sit him down? He's my friend, and the grumbling spirit is infectious, even among people. Who have been greatly and uniquely blessed by God. Because the Israelites were greatly blessed. Have we been greatly blessed? But the Spirit can still creep in. Especially during a time like this. See in Numbers 14. Ten very terrible decisions were made. By ten faithless cries. I don't want to call them spies no more. Because they didn't do their job. They weren't spies. They were cries. But... The groundwork and the foundation for that bad decision was laid by the murmuring and the complaining in these previous chapters of 11 and 12. In Numbers 14, terrible decisions were made. Numbers 13, excuse me. But they were laid in Numbers 11 and 12, the foundation for that decision. Please understand what I just said. Uh, they made the decisions over here. And so it was almost like obvious what was going to happen like that because they were making, they were complaining already. And that's the result of grumbling and complaining. Uh, Again, I repeat, it is super difficult to make good decisions with bad attitudes. You can't make good decisions when you're in a bad attitude. But this critical spirit, really, really ill-affected Israel, as it will always ill-affect you and I, all of us. Now listen to me here. Listen to me good here. A critical spirit can sap and it can drain your passion and your commitment To the things of God, like nothing else. A critical spirit can sap your passion, your commitment to God. I mean, all of a sudden, you ever seen those people, they're all sold out for God. Who that guy, he's, you know, he's going to be a pastor with a bullet. Then all of a sudden, that little critical spirit gets in there. And he's not at every service. The passion is being drained. The commitment is being drained because he's being critical now. I don't know about that. And that, 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 It'll slap you. It'll drain you. Always guard and protect against complaining spirits. Because it always precedes bad decisions. I'm not going to go to church anymore. Bad decision. Bad decision. Easy to tell. I know my job. But that's what always happens. But not only were the complaining people there, but they were also complacent leaders there. Not only was there a complaining people, but they, were, they had complacent leaders in their midst. Look at Numbers 13, verse 3. It says there in Numbers thirteen three, that all the spies were leaders, but they were complacent leaders. The 10 came back to say, yes, the land is good. But the project is too big. It's beyond our capacities and our capabilities. We can't knock down the walls right now. The project is too big. And then we're having shaking the bake Then they want going to put on a roof. Ah, See, God's will is just plainly and simply. We're not able to do what they said. The will of God, we can't do it. Plain and simple. It's beyond our capacity. We ain't got the box. We ain't got it. We can't do it, Pastor Steve. Can't you count? Ah. Uh, now, I'm preaching this sermon on the premise and the basis that I believe it's God's will for us to knock down the walls. Okay? And it's God's will for us to send out churches. It's God's will for us to win souls. I'm preaching this sermon on that premise, on that basis. Uh, but these people didn't think they could do God's will. Whenever leadership from, shift, a leader shifts from what is God's will to what is manageable, what's affordable, what is within our means, then mediocrity and simple existence is right around the corner. I, hope, I don't want to reread that. I hope you understood that. Whenever a leader shifts his mentality uh, to what is God's will for our church, for our lives, for my life, to what is more manageable, uh, what is more easily accessible. See, but if greatness is part of God's will for your life, uh, then, my friend, that greatness will be lost. You're going to lose out on the best and the greatness that God wants for your life. Believe me, I believe God wants greatness for our Victor Irish Ministries. I really believe that. Uh, And we can't lose out on that. Remember, the role of a leader is to take people to places they will not tend to want to go on their own. And I said that earlier. See, my friend if we lose our focus as to what God has called us to do and only operate on what is just naturally possible, uh, then we are, to clo- we are closely on the verge of becoming as Israel did back then and just wandering all the time uh, for a few years, spinning our wheels in Christianity. If we don't do God's will for our lives, if you don't reach God's will for your life, you're going to be, oh, the wandering, the wandering, the wandering. I roam around, around, around. That's all going to happen to your lives. Uh, and we don't want that for our lives. I don't. But then also remember the circumstances that led Israel to get into the situation were complaining and complacent leaders. Are you with me? Now the second thing. First of all, circumstances. But after the circumstances, let's secondly look at the choice. The choice they made to, to not go into the promised land. Now before you knock the choices they made... Man, look at that, man. I would have chose with Joshua and Caleb. Don't be so sure about that. First, you've got to ask yourself, if you're a wife, would you want to have your husband go away and perhaps die? And husbands, would you vote to maybe to go out for probably a seven years of skirmishes and of warfare? That's probably what it's going to cost. Would you really make that, uh, that vote? Uh, a lot of people knock the, 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 the Israelites, ah, oh, man, they, they, they sissy it up, they dumb it up. But really, don't knock their decision until you understand the decision. Uh, I mean, hey, that's, that's not easy. You know, your husband's going to go out to die maybe. Your father's going to go out to die. Uh, man, you know, we got to be careful. It's not an easy choice. So in chapter 14, the people make their choice. Uh, look at 14 verses 1 and 3. They make their choice. That night all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and of the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or the desert. The Bible says, Be it done according to your faith. Because what happened? They ended up dying in Egypt. They got what they wanted. You'll always get what you want. That was their faith. If only we had died in Egypt. They died in the desert. They got what they wanted. Be it done according to your faith. Ah, that's exactly what happened to Israel. They voted against attempting God's will for their lives, corporately and individually, because it cost too much. Christianity is going to cost you. Do you understand that? Genuine Christianity is not going to be easy, but are you willing to pay the price? (laughs) Lastly, the consequences. 1411 gives us the consequences. Look at verse 11, chapter 14. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to, be, to believe in me? In spite of all the miraculous things and signs I have performed among them. I will destroy them. Those, that's some strong language right there. But this happens not only to old Israel, but to Christians even today. That happens to us as well. For whenever obedience to the known will of God... okay. And, and we, we, don't, we don't perform the obedience. And, and whenever, whenever being obedient to God's will, when it messes with our blessings, we don't like that. That's what I'm trying to tell you. We don't like it because we like to be blessed. How are you doing it? Blessed. How are you doing tomorrow? blast? You know, whenever God's obedience and God's will for our lives messes with our blessings, we don't like that. Especially here in America. Uh, whenever that costs. Is a little bit too high. We're not willing to pay that price. And we'll eventually, we'll treat God with contempt as these people here did as well. See, God was checking out Israel, receiving his blessings and not willing to do too much for him. And God takes that personal. When God's blessing your life and he's taking care of you, manna and all these things, the glory cloud providing for you, water in the desert. And then, then you don't want to do what he says. He takes that personal. God don't dig that. In neighborhood turns. Uh, he takes it personal. Uh, so in verse 22, God chastises his people. Now the point here, and this is important. The point here is not that they were lost because they weren't. What I mean by that is they were, they were going to go to heaven. They were Christians in the Old Testament. They weren't lost. They were saved. They were saved. Are you with me now? I'm in the corner here now. I'm coming right up your freeway. I'm going to park right in your garage now. Ah, uh, Open or not. The point is, and this is the major part of the sermon right here. The point is that while the people were saved, how many here you are saved? The point is while they were saved, these people of Israel, and God provided and still took care of them like he does for us. The point is that this group of people, this generation contributed zero to the advancement to the kingdom of God. That's the brunt of this sermon right here. They were saved. They were born again. They were being taken care of. They were blessed by God. But they did nothing to advance the kingdom of God. Zero. I have a sermon called the Zero Hero. Did nothing. Uh, remember the Dark Ages back in the 11th century, 12th century? It's known as the Dark Ages. Those people, they had the word of God. Some of them are even in heaven today. But they did nothing. That's why they call it the Dark Ages. Even if you've got an F- in history, you should understand that. You heard of the Dark Ages? That generation did zero to advance the kingdom of God. Ah. Uh, see, Israel in the desert, they still had church. They still sang songs. They still worshiped the Lord. Ah, uh, they still gathered together. But during that time, nothing significant occurred to advance the kingdom of God. There was no Manilas. There was no Colorado Springs. There was no Redwood Cities. Ah. Uh, ah being planted see God's greater purpose for Israel was to get to the promised land and you and I we have a greater purpose of God too the Ezra fund that's right that's us right now knocking down the walls for the sanctuary that's God's greater purpose for our lives right now that's doing something significant we've done some significant stuff here I'm not knocking us totally we're, we're doing pretty good we're doing all right so far so God but don't dummy up now we got history to make we got things to do We got a legacy to go, to leave here. Uh, Posterity's sake is at stake. So the question is, how do you and I avoid being like Israel? Uh, Of numbers. See, I hope we feel the pain of this question. Because this question is designed to bring you some pain. How do we avoid that? See, we're living in a country today, the United States of America, it's easy to live out of simple Christianity in the blessings and the refreshings of God and do nothing to advance God's kingdom. Uh, how do we avoid it? Paul says, listen, in, 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 in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he says, He says, having preached to you, says, I got to be careful lest I disqualify myself. The word in the Greek means unprofitable. You know, in other words, I'm preaching to you, but I become unprofitable. I don't profit you anymore. In other words, there's no advancement no more. I don't advance anymore. You don't advance anymore. Uh, He says, I I don't want us to be unprofitable. The the dark ages, they were unprofitable. A lot of churches around here, I'm sorry, but they're unprofitable. It's so easy to live in America and the blessings of God and be unprofitable. Don't advance the kingdom of God. we got to find out what the will of God is for our lives and focus on it and go get it. Be blessed. And be a blessing to others. They did zero to profit the kingdom of God. This can and does happen to a number of us. That's why this sermon is so important to me. I don't want it to happen to us. They do zero for, to profit and advance the kingdom of God. And a saved person who does little to be used of God in God's hands, he's like a jellyfish Christian. I've talked about jellyfish. This generation, I call them the jellyfish generation. Jellyfish is have big old mouths and a little bitty, bitty heart and nothing else. And they, they're tossed by everything. But you get in their way, they'll sting you, right, Joseph? Remember, Julie got stung. You get in their way, they'll sting you. You want me to do what, Pastor <laughs> Big old mouth and a little, little bitty heart. This is the jellyfish generation. I'm not going to be no jellyfish Christian. Should I go to church today? We're the body of Christ. The body of Christ. The body of Christ is strong. I'm going to church today and tonight. And Wednesday. Hello! Oh) jellyfish my God see to avoid being like the Israelites you got to stay focused on God's will for your life what's God's will for your life coming to church that's God's will ah whatever giftings you have that's God's will for your life but you got to stay focused see Israel was greatly blessed and the more God blesses you it's harder to live a sacrificial life the more you're blessed it's harder to be sacrificial because you're so blessed Oh, we must be ready to pay whatever the cost. What are your limits in Christianity? We shouldn't have any limits. There should be no limits to the price we're willing to pay. Our call is to unconditional obedience, and the price is unknown. You don't know the price. You'll you'll find it out as as you walk your Christian life. The question is, what will he have us to do? And are we willing to do it? That's the whole question right there. Then lastly, and this is important, with this I close. You need to stay focused. Not only on God's will for your life. Not only on on willing to pay the price. Okay. But then you got to stay focused on the crown. On your rewards. In the Bible we have examples of two people. One came to ask Jesus what he should do to inherit eternal life. Okay. He knew his call. He knew the cost, secondly. Okay, but the Bible says he went away sorrowful because he didn't focus on the crown. You can know your call. You can know the cost. But don't forget about the the crown. You can know the call. I got to do this. You can know the cost. This is what I'm going to have to do to pay for it. But you got to stay focused on the crown or else you ain't going to make it. huh? You you, got to stay focused on that. See, he didn't see beyond the call and the cost. He didn't see the crown. The the rich young ruler. What must I do to inherit eternal life? God told him. But he didn't see beyond the cross. The other person is Christ himself. He says of himself, my food is to do the will of God and finish my course. He had no other purpose. Uh, He had no other agenda. He was sold out. He was ready to pay that price. Even death on the cross. But Hebrews 12, 2 tells us why. Hebrews 12, 12 verse 2 tells us why. Uh, It tells us how Jesus did this. How he accomplished this. By focusing on the crown. It says there, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. What was the joy set before him? Heaven. Heaven was said before him, he, he saw beyond that. God's going to bless your life. you got to see beyond the grave. That's That was Jesus' seek. He understood that. I'm going to be going through this right now. Uh, but someday, this might be a long sermon, Pastor he's going to finish. Someday. Look beyond. Uh, he saw the joy awaiting him on the other side of the cross. He focused. Isaiah 53, verse 11, and I'm done. Very important scripture, sir. I wouldn't give it to you. Isaiah... 53, 11. Stay with me here. Do you have it? After the suffering of his soul, you're going to suffer two people in Christianity. He will see the light of life and be what? Satisfied. Some translations read like this. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the results and be satisfied. Some of your translations say the results. That's a, that's a Greek interpretation. Excuse, excuse me, the Hebrew. The Hebrew means results. He will see the light of life. He's gonna, in other words, he saw the light of life beyond the cross. He saw the results. And you're going to have good results. If I have to do your funeral, they'll be singing. Because there's going to be great results because I know where you went. Uh, And you'll be able to endure. So, here we have two examples. One, the rich young ruler, he ends his life with the word sorrowful. Jesus ends his life with the word satisfied. He went away sorrowful because he didn't want to pay the price, because he didn't look beyond the cross. He went away sorrowful. Jesus looked beyond the cross to the results. He went away satisfied. What kind of life do you want? Sorrowful life? Because you can't pay the price? You don't want to pay the price? You're going to walk away sorrowful? Or do you want to walk away satisfied? I'm giving you that option. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. As every head is bowed and every eye closed. Praise God, moving and ministering. The title of my sermon, you saw it on the marquee, is Ad ADD Venture. Because Christianity is a venture, but you can add to it. You can enhance it by being obedience to God's will. I know this has been a hard and difficult sermon to follow. I know that. I can tell. But I pray that you have. I pray that you have. I pray that you got the brunt of this message. Very important to me. And the key was... That jellyfish generation did nothing to advance the kingdom of God. What are you doing to advance the kingdom of God? God has the body of Christ, not the jellyfish body. He's got a strong body. Does every head of his body? Here I go. Spirit God, moving in ministry.